The promise of adventure drives every RV journey. For those of you looking to launch life's journeys, I welcome all of you to the Where's Willie podcast, powered by Heartland RV, a leading manufacturer of towable recreational vehicles in the United States. Heartland RV manufactures over 15 brands of fifth wheels, travel trailers, and toy haulers. Heartland RV brands are sold through an independent network of dealers throughout the United States and Canada. No matter how many miles you travel, we all have a story to share about our journey. I'm excited for all of you to learn about today's guest and their life's journey. All right, sharing life's journey is what we do here on the Where's Willie podcast, powered by Heartland RV. So here's a journey for you. Today, I have a proud University of Georgia grad that was blessed by the Lord with an amazing talent, which is music. His talents, as you can tell by me playing, have led to his first signing with his first record deal with Black River Entertainment back in 2014. His debut single, Tonight Tonight, was featured on NFL's Thursday Night Football on CBS, and it also entered the top 40 on Country Airplay. King co-wrote Randy Hausler's single, We Went, with Justin Wilson, Matt Rogers. The song reached number one on Media Base and Billboard Country Airplay charts. It also scored him his first ASCAP Songwriter Award in 2016. His music journey has only continued and grown from here. His most recent release always will be Blast Every Morning in My Truck, On My Way Down to Work, It's in the House. Even my teen daughter says, wow, Dad, he's really awesome. Why is he talking to you? Thank you so much, Mac. John King, welcome to the Where's Willie podcast. Dude, thanks for having me. Best intro ever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so look, as you and I kind of talked online and just getting to know you, a lot of people have been asking me, you know, since we've gone with the podcast, you're talking to all these different guys, you know, NFL people, you know, C-suite executives, music people, they must live on an island and they're not dealing with a pandemic. Will you please validate for me that, no, it is affecting even celebrities and music artists as well? Oh, yeah, man, we're all dealing with it. I mean, this has been the first year since I was probably, uh, I don't know, 15 years old that I haven't played live shows. I mean, every summer we've been out on the road touring 48 states, meeting so many people and seeing all kinds of different parts of the country. And this has been the first year I've just had a summer off with my girls, which, you know, I won't complain that that's been great to catch up with them. And I know we'll talk about that, but, you know, I love being a dad and that's been really fun. We honestly needed a break, but yeah, I mean, I really do. When you're a performer, man, there's just kind of a bug that gets in you and you, you, I feel like, I don't know. It's like, what am I doing? Like, I don't know. I need to be out there performing, but it's actually, we were talking about this before the podcast, but it's been cool because it's, it's kind of pushed us out of our comfort zone and forced us to come up with new ways to create, to release music, to put on concerts. I mean, I would have never known until 2020 that so many fans were interested in virtual concerts and social media has just grown exponentially for us this year because we've been forced to put all our efforts in there. That's the only way we can stay connected with people and our fans. So there's definitely been some good that's come out of it for us professionally. Obviously, I'd never wish a pandemic to, you know, make us have to grow and step out of our comfort zone. But I think we got to just take the good with the bad. And um, yeah, but we're really excited for 2021 because we got high hopes that we're going to be able to get back out there and do some shows. 
now that we know that you're human um, and now, <laughs> you, can, you know, really just kind of give, you know, some testaments along your own journey. So everybody has their own life's journey. Right. And for you, when I discovered you on social media, I, I actually found you on Facebook and then Instagram. And then I just I said to my daughter, am I outdated? Because a lot of times I go to her for my fashion advice and then same with the music. And I'll say, hey, you know, is, is this guy like legit? Like, I think he's incredible. She's like, no, dad, like this time you're actually right. <laughs> so I know that like since we started getting all your music, my son and daughter know it to be able to reach out to you and see like the human side. Like you're an amazing person. You know, you're a son, Thanks, you're a husband and Everything that I see, you love being a dad more than anything. So before we get into that now, if you would, just for everybody, where did your life's journey begin? Where did you grow up school-wise? At what point did you realize, hey, you know what? God did give me a talent. And and if you would just kind of start out where, where home was for you growing up. Yeah, man, I grew up in a tiny little mountain town, northeast Georgia, which is about an hour northeast of Athens, two hours north of Atlanta. And it's gorgeous there, beautiful part of the world. And honestly, it's funny when you tour around the country and see all these different places, it's funny how beautiful home is. When you go home, you never realize it growing up, you know, you don't know how good you have it. But one of the upsides and the downsides of it is a very quiet little town. I mean, it's in the mountains. There's not a whole lot to do there. Shoot, I think we got a Walmart when I was 12 years old, and that was like the biggest thing that had ever happened. People were like, oh my God, everybody's just living at Walmart. I couldn't believe it. But you know, there wasn't much to do, play sports and music. You know, my mom played piano in our church choir, grew up in a tiny little church. And I think after so much begging from my grandma and my mom to get up on stage and sing a Sunday morning hymn, I got up there nervous as could be with butterflies in my stomach and did it. And pe had people coming up to me saying like, you're good. Like you can actually sing. <laughs> and I was like, thanks. Like, yeah. it, you know, it was fun. It was recognition. And it was something I was good at. And so I got a guitar, you know, my mom and dad saved up, got me a little guitar when I was about 14. And I just started playing like crazy, trying to learn songs that I loved that I was hearing on the radio. I would sit down just by ear and try to figure out like what chords those were. And I was also really into the lyrics, you know, and I think that's what kind of drew me to country music. And my dad grew up loving rock and I love rock. I mean, anything from Metallica to ACDC to okay. Leonard Skinner. Uh, and then my mom loved singer songwriters. She loved James Taylor, Johnny Cash, you know, Waylon Jennings. So there was like this cool fusion of those two worlds. And I really just fell in love with songs though. I thought, man, how cool would it be to take my own melodies and write my own lyrics and my own chords that go in these songs? So I did. I mean, I started making up, stupid songs about my buddies, you know, when we were in middle school and it would get a laugh around a campfire or something, you know, and then it kind of grew into like, we'd have these little garage bands and I'd write, I'd come in with like this song I wrote and, you know, we'd all be standing around, could barely play three chords and could barely like had cheap PA equipment and yeah, right. just sounded horrible. But, um, we were cutting our teeth, you know, and, and just getting in there. We'd play for hours. My little brother played drums I really wanted to play drums, but he turned out to be better than me. So I had to play guitar and sing. I was like, well, now I'm stuck. So we had these little garage bands, started getting better. And one day we're out there playing like a Metallica song. And my mom walks out and she's like, somebody has to sing because I'm tired of hearing instrumental <laughs> inner Sandman for the 17th time today. <laughs> right. So I just stepped up the mic and, and I did it really because nobody else would. 
and I got better and better. You know, I got my songs got a little better. We started winning battle of bands. We started playing county fairs and church picnics or anything that would have us, you know, and getting in front of people and building up a little following, you know, in our hometown in the Northeast. And that kind of made me think like when I got out of, you know, high school, I really want to go somewhere to a town that has like a music scene and a presence where I can develop and grow. I promised my mom I'd go to college. You know, it's like I, a part of me thought like I could just go straight up to Nashville, you know, and go yeah. for it now. But I knew I still had a little developing to do for sure. And I'm thankful I did. But Athens, Georgia, to me, had always been a cool music town. It was close to home. It was a state college because I, you know, I couldn't afford to go to a Belmont or something like that. You know, my, my mom was a teacher. My dad was a factory worker. So yeah, I got good grades, got into state school at University of Georgia. And um, it was killer, man, because we had, it's a great school. It was a great atmosphere. And then Athens is a great music town. I mean, you're talking about the B-52s, the Indigo Girls, R.E.M., even like the Black Crows. And then into country, like Zach Brown Band, Luke Bryan. So many acts had kind of cut their teeth in Athens and built followings there first before they went on to do big things. So to me, that was like really appealing. And I got there and just kind of hit it full speed, man. I was I was in school, I was studying, but you know, every night I was going downtown, checking out some band, meeting somebody, networking. And before we knew it, we had a really good band there. And that's kind of when it shifted to like, okay, this is serious. Like this is a career. Like I can make a career of this. We started selling tickets, you know, we started selling out little clubs and the songs were getting better. We made like a little EP that we could sell on the road and people liked it. And it just, it started to grow and it gave me confidence, you know, as a songwriter, as a singer, performer. And I knew when I graduated that I had to go to Nashville. Like that was always my goal. Obviously for country music, it's the place to be. As a songwriter, it's the place to be. There's so much talent here. So yeah, I mean, I, I graduated Georgia, came up to Nashville I mean, that was kind of like next chapter in the book, you know? I mean, that was that was like when the real work started, you know? You kind of think like, okay, like I'm here, like this is it. Like now I'm ready, like let's do this thing. But that's like when the journey really started. And it took me, man, a couple of years to really get any traction. And when I got to this town, I was so blown away and kind of overwhelmed by the amount of talent that it forced me to get better. It forced me to step up and write better songs than I could really write and sing better than I really sing and perform better. It was a really cool challenge and it's been great up here so far, man. We've been here six years now and I mean, it's still a challenge every day, you know, but um, I'm very grateful that I found some early believers that believed in me and my music and fans, you know, we started making fans and to me, the fans have always and always will be the most important thing in my career. They're the reason I'm here. And I look up to those acts like Garth Brooks and Taylor Swift that treat their fans like royalty. Like to me, that's what we're supposed to do, you know, as artists. My background playing Division One football, when you're growing up from the athletic standpoint, you go to the camps to get seen, right? So right. Like Coach Kirby, he's going to be at all the camps. And, you know, that's how you get seen. People ask all the time, you know, hey, if you want to be an actor, why do you have to go to L.A.? If you want to be a musician or in country, you got to go to Nashville. Is it because the it's the agents that you want that to see you or is it the producers or is it getting into the record studio? Like, why does it benefit somebody that's chasing the same dream as you? Maybe one of our listeners why going there physically, you got to do it. Who is it you're looking to connect with as, you know, an artist or a songwriter? 
to me, there are other ways. I mean, you, there are artists who will build followings in Texas or Georgia all the time, and then maybe the record labels come to them. Those are a lot more few and far between. I think it is because the labels are all here. Okay. All the A&R here, all the agents, all the songwriters, all the other artists. So when you get here, you kind of form a network and you become part of this community. And it really is. Nashville is like a community. Country music really is. I mean, you kind of pull for each other. I don't think it's that way in every industry. I think a lot of industry can be a little more cutthroat and even other genres of music. But country, there's this cool camaraderie where we all kind of pull for each other and you become like a family. And I wanted to be a part of that. You know, I really did. It's great because some of these people I've met here, my agents, producers, songwriters, other artists are friends, you know, for life. But to me, I think it's about getting here and establishing a footprint and getting a buzz, you know, around town about people talking. And that's kind of how I got my first deal. Every night you're playing out, you could be playing for Garth Brooks or whoever could be sitting right there, you know, front row at the Bluebird. And you never know. So there's just such an energy here. And I think more than anything, it makes you better because you have to step up to that challenge of being as good as the talent around you and better. So for me, if I would have stayed in Georgia, you know, if I'm looking through the scope of Haversham County and the amount of competition there is for me there, it's just completely different than here. So, but yeah, to answer your question, I think getting to Nashville or any town where you're going to be presented with the most adversity that can make you as good as you possibly can, I, I think that's a great way to go. Now, two years ago, was it two years ago? Luke Bryan opened his restaurant. And uh, I got lucky. I was up in uh, Jason Aldean's rooftop of his restaurant, and Luke played a live concert right on Broadway. It was packed. To your point, when every time I go to Nashville, it's like every door along that that boulevard. I mean, it's it's amazing music. So, with all of those spots, is there a place for you where you have a favorite venue that you love to perform as you were moving up before 2014 when you first signed? There's one that is very nostalgic to me because it's kind of where it all started. I used to play this little club right across from the Opry. It's called Puckett's. It's still there. It's, it's kind of like a restaurant bar right in the slap dab middle of Broadway. And it's always crazy busy. You know, you got tourists coming in and out. Everybody's coming in. So I used to play there on Wednesday nights. And that was like my gig. You know, Wednesday night, I'd pass the tip bucket, live okay. off the thing, man, you know, living off the tip bucket. And one night I'm in there playing been playing like three hours it was a long gig it's just me and acoustic guitar people are eating and drinking and, and it's probably getting to be 10 30 or 11 on a wednesday night it's starting to kind of clear out you know it's a school night work night i see this guy sitting in the back of the bar he's been there all night and he's really into the music <laughs> and, uh, you know i kind of like i'm trying to he's it's so dark i couldn't make out exactly who he was well i'm getting toward the end of the set and he walks up to the tip bucket and as he gets right to the tip bucket, I see him drop a $100 bill, which is awesome. But then what's even more awesome, it was a Randy Hauser. Randy Hauser okay. drops 100 bucks in the tip bucket. I didn't have a record deal. I didn't know anybody yet. Like I wasn't, you know, hadn't had any songs, no publishing deal. But he liked what he heard, you know, and dropped 100 bucks. But I'm in the middle of a song, so I can't stop and be like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right. Take it to the record label. So that was kind of that. It was a cool story to tell my buddies. But fast forward a couple of years, we're writing. Me and Matt and Justin are writing in this room, and we get done with the song, and we're like, man, this would be a great Randy Hauser song. 
And by some miracle, one of us sent it to his team. Someone heard it and played it for Randy, which is, I mean, a one in a bazillion chance that happens. As many good songs are written in this town. And it became our first number one. You know, he believed in it enough to put on the radio. And when we were backstage at the number one party, I was telling him this story about him dropping a tip in the bucket. He was kind of laughing. And he was like, man, are you sure it was a hundred bucks? Yeah, it was a hundred bucks. He's like, he's like, I must've had too much to drink that night. I thought it was a 10. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that's awesome. So, so you've been on this journey, you overcome adversity, you make it, you've got great things happening. And like I said, I mean, you are a tremendous talent. And I think the only thing that's kind of slowed down has just been the world with this pandemic. So if you would, you know, last year, and I'm not going to get into politics, whenever it physically, you know, it got here, March, April, at what point did you really see, hey, you know, things are really changing here? Was it, I know your best friends, your wife, but some of your other friends too in the music business, like you said, your fraternity of, you know, making the calls like, hey, I just got canceled. Did you? And at what point did you kind of realize like this pandemic is kind of going to affect you guys, you know, being able to perform? Well, I mean, luckily we have, I have a really good team around me. My manager manages Blake Shelton and uh, Kelly Clarkson. And he knew, you know, I guess through the grapevine pretty soon. I mean, around February, we were getting kind of whispers of like, man, like this is going to be a real thing. We're looking at possibly not having any concerts for the whole year. And it's like, man, we kind of had a little bit of a insight to that and we prepared for it. I mean, I knew that, you know, it was something that, we knew it was going to have to be done. And like I say, in hindsight, we have wished that no, but we've definitely done our best to take the good with the bad and grow this year. And I know too, that with the pandemic, you know, even at home, it's easy to eat potato chips. You can't go to the gym. You can't work out to stay focused on what the goal is that you're chasing. Professionally, it's working out with music, it's writing. Now you and I had talked offline. Now you're not stopping, right? You're you're using this time to write and be in studio, being safe, and you know, kind of what's your regiment right now? Is it just getting pen to paper and getting out more songs right now? Yeah, it's been a mixture of that and and recording, getting as much content as we can possibly get ready for 2021. Next year, we're going to put out an insane amount of music. Like it's going to be more than I've ever put out. Um, yeah, so we're really excited to get a lot of new music out. And this was the great year to do it because we were able to write, to record, to get everything prepared, to kind of develop a plan. And we put out music this year, too, that, that did really well for us. So, yeah, I mean, it's just been growing and continuing to grow the fan base and just become more diversified in what we do. Like, touring is awesome. And I love touring. Like, I miss it. I love being on stage. Like, there's no greater feeling than that. But it's pretty cool to know that like, hey, like we're in an industry where we can grow and adapt and there's different ways to do things, just like any industry, you know. So, yeah, it's been a cool learning experience. And just to keep your mind right, too, I mean, obviously, with, of course, being safe, have you been able to, you know, take some time away and just, you know, either go with your family, which is your wife and your daughters or, you know, go see your parents? Have you had some time to go and do that safely and just kind of get away for a little bit and. Yeah, man. I mean, this, I mean, like I say, we have not had a summer off. I mean, I don't even know when the last time was, you know, I worked construction jobs when I was a kid, you know, growing up and in, in high school, I worked every summer and then we were touring every summer. So I told my wife, I was like, this might be like my only, this is my only summer off, definitely my adult life, but maybe of like, you know, since I was 
10 or 12 years old, we've taken advantage of it. We've gone camping. We've done a ton of camping, you know, and we partner with Cruiser, great team. We've done this cool campfire session series that has been really fun, man. And, and fans have enjoyed it because, you know, they don't always get to see inside my world and who I am and like what my interests are and who my family is. And I think this year has opened my door up to them more personally than I ever have and shown them like, Hey, like I'm just a normal guy. I'm a dad, you know, I'm a husband, I'm an outdoorsman, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm a son, you know, I have my parents on some of these. So it's, it's been really fun, man, for me and for fans, I think, to do something a little different this year. And yeah, we've taken advantage of it and had some fun. That's awesome. So if we look to then the future, and like you said, of course, we're going into a fog, but we're, we're positive. We've got vaccines coming. You know, should we get back to the ability to, you know, for me to bring my kids to come see you on stage? Going into next year, then a lot of live music. There's going to be some shows, again, pending this whole pandemic. But there are going to be some virtual events, right? For sure, man. Yeah, we're planning a lot. First quarter of 2021, we're going to be doing more campfire sessions next year on the road, uh, shooting a lot more of those with with our awesome partners, you know, like Cruiser and LineX and Toyota. So be on the lookout for those. But then we're also going to do some ticketed live performances virtually. So those are fun, too, because they're a little more intimate. You know, you're talking... 50 or 100 fans, you know, all together at once. And they're really cool because I get to actually communicate with everybody and like see everybody face to face. So we plan to do a lot of those in 2021. All right. So my next big question is, you got to give me five. If there are five dream venues that you have not yet played, for example, Red Rocks or somewhere, can you name three to five venues where you're like, man, if we can't do it next year, it would be like a check the box for me. You just named number one for me. Red Rocks is the one. <laughs> it's so funny you say that. That's yeah. like a bucket list. And I've seen it. You know, I've, I've never seen a show there. But when we were traveling through Colorado, I saw we stopped and checked it out. And it was just like, man, I can't even. Oh, that's going to be so cool to get there. I feel it. it. I feel like it's getting close. So, yeah, Red Rocks, number one for me. Number two, I've always wanted to, you know, I'm from Georgia. So being a hometown boy, like I've always like it's a dream on a pack out Sanford stadium, dude, Bulldog stadium. One time would be so much fun. I know Luke did it a few years back um, with Al Dean, but that would be killer. Three would be, it starts getting harder because I mean, there's so many great ones. There's a great one out in LA that I've never played. And I'm trying to, I can't remember the name of it for some reason off the top of my head. It's not the Alamo, but uh, what's it called? Oh man. Okay. There's one in LA. Okay. Number three. I'm blanking on it. Number four would be Gillette Stadium would be sick. We actually played, we opened for Rascal Flats and Cheryl Crow at Gillette Stadium in probably 2016, but it was outside the stadium, kind of like a big parking lot kickoff party. But then we got to stay and check out the show inside. I thought, you know, my goal is to be in their headline in this thing one day. So that would be killer. Number five Honestly, I've always wanted to do a USO tour, man. That I know that's not really a venue, but as far as like a performance goes, I think that would be a really fun thing to do for our troops and just to be able to get out there and see what they're doing and, and their lives and what they go through every day. And we've never played outside the country, so that would be a cool excuse to be able to hop on a, a plane or a chopper and get out there and play a bass. 
John, I have to give you one big strike because my girlfriend is from Boston. So, of course, when she hears this interview, she's going to say, yeah, Boston. Um, So, all right. So if you know, and I know you got to get running. So I kind of want to round out with this. If people want more information and to become a little fanboy like I have, where can they check out all your music and everything that you have going on, including all the events? If you go check out John King Country, J-O-H-N-K-I-N-G country.com, we've got tour schedule, merch, music, links, everything there. If you're on socials, it's always at John King Country, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, everything. And then Spotify, Apple, if you guys are listening anywhere digitally, if you search John King, we come up on all those and however you consume music. And honestly, I've been doing this for the last few years and I love it. Fans, they can text me. Like I love texting. It's really me. It's not a service. It's not a 1-800 line or something. The number is 706-949-3181. Text me. I love that because when we're, you know, in a town where somebody's 30 minutes away, like I can text you guys and be like, hey, like we're coming through Madison, Wisconsin. We'll see you tonight. It's a really good way to communicate. And I love that 2020, like we have the technology to be able to communicate one-on-one with fans. It's a really cool thing. I mean, I think as artists, our fans are the reason we're here. So like, let's make them feel like they're special because they are. And I love hearing from mine. So always feel free to text me. John, you are an amazing artist and you're even better human being. It's been a pleasure, honestly, uh, getting to know you, following you on your journey. I'm real excited about your future and I wish nothing but the best for your beautiful wife, your daughter, your mom and dad and everybody back home. So thank you so much for your time and and, uh, sharing your story. We will all be looking and rooting for you going into 2021. God bless, man. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in to the Where's Willie show. For more information on future shows, please visit whereswilliepodcast.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Where's Willie Podcast and on Twitter at Where's Willie P-O-D. Thank you all so much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.